This episode of the Brap Talk Motorcycle Podcast is brought to you by AGV Helmets and the new AGV K6. What you need and what you want in a motorcycle helmet. Hello, Brapentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure is my hype man of Snowmageddon, you. Mr. You. Shaheen you. Alvandi! You, 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 Put your hands up in the air and do a wheelies like you don't care. Oh, I care about the wheelies. I care about all of them. No wheelies left behind. No wheelies left behind. In a world where wheelies matter. In order to save them, Sheen will have to become a wheelie. A wheelie himself. In a world where wheelies matter, one human becomes a motorcycle (laughs) so he can keep wheelieing. One bike to wheelie them all. One wheel. (laughs) Dank wheelies, 2020. Dank Woolies 2020. <laughs> That'd be a good movie. That'd be a good movie. I could see like, it. It'd be like the sequel to Biker Boys. No. Come on. Do not say that. It would be, what? You're better than that. Don't listen. You are better than that. Don't, Don't sell yourself question short. question that movie just because a Yamaha Warrior was as fast, if not faster, than the Y2K bike. What was the- That was um, the final chase, by the way. A Y2K bike chasing a, a Yamaha Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Money well spent in the Yamaha budget. <laughs> Dank budget. And you know what? They always got the sounds wrong. I'm so, I've just, I told you I have a problem with. Well, you see, that's, that's the thing like with a movie like that where the only people that are going to come watch it are probably <laughs> right? squid bikey dudes. Yeah. I got my icon so they're, they're gloves gonna, with the gold on them. What? Yeah. And they're going to, they're going to know. Like if, if anyone in the audience is going to know that you fucked up the sound <laughs> of the motorcycle. It's going to be the people that come to the motorcycle movie. Right. You can get away with it like in a mainstream movie. Oh, that was uh, Eat, Pray, Love. And the scooter sounded like a V-twin. Yeah, no one cares because they're all just there for the yoga. All bikes sound like Harleys, don't you know? Yeah, you know, whatever. But the the motorcycle niche movie, I don't know, man. You guys have one it's job. It's just not authentic. One job. Yeah. Just scrims. Make the biker geeks geek out. And you know what you did? You made the biker geeks just turn their... Turn their noses up at your one and only movie. What's, yeah. I mean, can we name a good motorcycle movie? Like a good modern action motorcycle movie? Someone's going to be like, The Fastest Indian. That's a pretty good movie. Good movie. What Not else? very uh, historically accurate. They, they basically condensed like four or five trips to Bonneville and turned it into like one right. trip to Bonneville. What? Are you but, telling me that Hollywood embellished? Yeah. A story to make it movie worthy yeah so that the fecal audience will stick around and watch i just want to know how much polaris paid for that oh that was pretty polaris wasn't it um yeah but i think they did some kind of a project like a year or so ago where they were trying to become like quote unquote the fastest indian again Uh, and they were i think it was i thought it was um his like nephew or grandnephew or something he was trying to do it yeah Uh, i remember seeing that press release and i was just like man i really couldn't just care less (laughs) i just really couldn't care there was the same thing um (laughs) funny actually it's the same pr agency uh there was a thing for uh, who was the guy that was doing the evil knievel 
stunts, like redoing them. A famous stunt guy. Oh my god, I can't believe I can't remember that. I can't. I don't. I don't know. I barely know your name, dude. Um, dirt bike guy, but like stunner guy, like Pastrana. Yes, Travis Pastrana. Oh, that's all you had to say. Wait, did they make like a movie out of it or something? Yeah, there it is. Travis Pastrana recreates evil Knievel stunt. Right. 2018. Right. They sent me the press release for that, and I just was like, I couldn't care less because he's jumping like eight buses. Yeah. And you're like, cool. They do that every night at Supercross. You know, that's that's the thing. The level of the game has gotten so much higher than right. what it was before. Where like Evil Knievel jumping eight buses or 20 buses, however many fucking buses it was, on a big-ass fucking Harley Cruiser. All right, that's a thing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of legit. All right. You know, I think he crashed all the time on, you know, on purpose, <laughs> but it's like it never but hurt people him. People like, for the crashes. They don't want to see the guy yeah. actually do the thing. But it's like now you're just like, Guys on dirt bikes clear quads and triples and do loops and kick over the kick their heels over the handlebars they while jump they're over doing an airplane it. that just flew low and you know cool shit like that. Yeah, like it's just like we've just gone so far past what that was. We are such a fickle bunch of fuckers. Well, and you like jumped a motorcycle and defy gravity, Pff, boring. Well, but it is boring because like I'm saying, like the game just has gotten raised so mm-hmm. high. It would be. Pastrano's the one that really raised the game with that double it, flip, that backflip. He was definitely a big part of that. Um, it'd be like saying like 100 miles an hour. Wow, that's so fast. You joined the pound club? What? What? Yeah, like, well, okay, yeah, you know, maybe 100 years ago, 100 miles an hour. Fuck me, man. That was, <laughs> yeah, you were you were skirting with death right there. But now we do like, we have production bikes that do 200 horsepower, or 200, 200 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, that's that's nothing. That's, that's called Tuesday. <laughs> so... Yeah, I just remember getting that email. I was like, I really one not really in our our narrative, our editorial narrative right. on Asphalt and Rubber, and two, like I just don't care. I don't think it's that important. And they're like, you want to come down and see in person and and interview him afterwards? I'm like, no, no, no I'm good. No, like I think Travis is really cool. That would that would be an interesting interview just to talk. You guys should about reach his, out to Huffington Post. About They'll his probably life. do a good job. Or what's the other one? Um, Someone that just doesn't know any better. Yeah, like some you know <laughs> clickbait shit. <laughs> This motorcyclist Yahoo made a huge news. jump. Click here to find out what happened next. Yeah. BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. That's the one I'm thinking of. BuzzFeed. <laughs> AKA Jalopnik. Oh, I'm kidding. Oh, shit. <laughs> I actually have a buddy uh, from Orlando, and that's he's a stunt rider. He professionally rides motorcycles for Disney. And then on the side, he will do these you know aerial stunts like in downtown Orlando. And he actually travels around. And apparently there's a fucking living to be made of it because he's become well-known. TJ Tiffany. You're like, who? (laughs) I mean, I can see how there would be a market for that. In fact, I can see how stunt riders can make it into Hollywood pretty easy, too. Right. Um, I mean, there's always a need for for talented motorcycle riders. But, yeah, I just, I don't know how we got on that foot because I just couldn't care. I just couldn't care less. On today's episode of Everything But Bikes. Yeah. Actually, we've been talking about bikes so far. I'm so proud of us. Get off my lawn. Here's everything I don't like about motorcycles. They're big and they're loud. They only have two wheels. Why do you only have two wheels? You should have more wheels. Did you run out of wheels? You should get more wheels. Why do you keep growing a beard? What's with that fucking tattoo on your hand? Why are you dressing up like you're uh, going to some BDSM party? I don't understand that. Back in my day, we just wore flannel t-shirts. Why can't you get your flannel t-shirt back on? You roll your sleeves like a man and ride your bike. If you can't kick started, you shouldn't ride it anyways. Two strokes are death. Two strokes? More like two smoke. 
I do love I do love every now and then you'll get the two stroke guy on asphalt and everyone's like, ah, oh, if it doesn't have if it's a four stroke or an electric, I don't like it. I only like two stroke motorcycles. Those are real motorcycles. <laughs> like, oh, okay, boomer. Rap Slow talk. down. You guys only gonna talk about two strokes, snicker snicker. <laughs> okay, yeah. boomer. Yeah. Just no. we're gonna talk about everything motorcycle related. Talked about your mom last night. Boom. It's crazy. Think about this. There's gonna be electric motorcycle. Whoa. I was um I went down like a deep dark dive on Facebook with America's Cup because oh. all the all the boats are getting to uh, the race venue and they're practicing and the way it kind of works is um, they get to do two iterations of the boats. So all the first iterations are kind of going through their proving ground right now. Right. And there's a little bit of talk about like the different hull designs and you know you get uh, so like the Italian team which I have a little bit of a connection to has uh, uh, their boat just came out and they have a very different hull design than say the British team mm. and the uh, New Zealand team. Um, Grant Dalton in charge of the New Zealand team, huge Ducatisti. Really? Huge Ducatisti. I've seen him at press launches. That's how huge of a Ducatisti he is. I should be friends with him. You should be. He's a cool dude. I mean, he and I are going to have a lot in common pretty soon. I want to be a sailor. Just a, yeah. I was going to say, you're going on a little sailing <laughs> yeah. trips. We should, we should talk about that. But he's just like the old, crusty, salty sailor guy. <laughs> Literally salty. Like I say, he's a good dude. I'm Take probably a shower, like, Grant. <laughs> there's probably a bunch of people going, like, I know that guy. He's not a good dude. He's mean. He is a mean person. I'm like, ah. I like I like old, crusty sailor guys. That's I'm kind of like one of them, too. That's Captain Two when you're on my boat. Anyways, they have a different hole design. And then you start going down it, and like you find all like the the old farts. are like, I don't like these boats that use all this technology. Why can't we go back to the boats we were using 50 years ago? Those were real boats sailed by real men. Why are women on boats? I don't like that women are on boats. And these gay guys, why is there gay people? Bad I don't like when all these women things. On a boat. And, it's like, why not? and then someone just came along and was like, okay, boomer. And I was like, yes. <laughs> well done. That's what you do. You put your hand on their lips and shh, 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 shh. they're there. Shh, 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 shh. So it's good to see that uh, motorcycle racing and motorcycles in general are not the only area that has to deal with this. Oh, yeah. Like, well, I only like the 12 meter boats. We haven't, well, we haven't raced 12 meter boats since like the early eighties. So like, <laughs> if I can get over it. <laughs> yeah. Every, I think every sport has that. I mean, like, you know, I remember when Ford, you know, went to a from a live axle to like independent rear suspension and the Mustangs and a lot of the Mustang affectionados were like, if you take that down the drag strip, it'll snap the driveline. Like, all right, dude, that's one of many uses for a car. <laughs> well, and just, yeah, because I would say one of the things I hated about Mustangs was the solid rear yeah, axle. They drove like ass. Yeah, drove was like, so that car doesn't handle. Cool. Are you towing on it? <laughs> like, I can understand if you're towing and you need the the weight bearing or if you're going to be putting it in a truck and you want to rate it to like, you know, a they quarter ton or more. I've never seen a Mustang tow anything. I've seen a lot of cars, like regular cars. So I've just actually never seen a Mustang. Probably because they fall apart. With a tow hitch. Oh, they fall apart. Oh, I love muscle cars. I love old muscle cars. Yeah. I can't hate the Mustang more from like 19... 19- 79 and on or 1980 and oh on. really you don't like the new new ones the retro no, looking ones no they're pretty fast cars i drove i mean if if another brand came out with that exact same car and called it something else i'd probably get a little bit more behind it but just because it's for like you. now the mustang is going to be a four-door electric car yeah the mustang e uh, mock e yeah really creative yeah. branding there it is they you know the, a lot of um branding and marketing people Ooh. This is a rant that I've been looking online. 
mm. about uh, mm. Harley calling their Pan America the Jeep of motorcycles. Oh. They're digging deep there. Yeah. Like, okay, here's, but that's typical marketing, right? They're taking America. like words, you know, power words, whatever you want to call them. Uh, the Americans know what a Jeep is, and this is an American motorcycle with knobby tires on it, so it's just like a Jeep. You wouldn't uh, get it, it's a Jeep thing. You wouldn't get it, it's a Panamera thing, bro. <laughs> yeah i don't know we'll see with that bike that bike could still be rad it could totally be rad i just want if to see someone with a light. jeep wrangler to say he's got the pan america of cars yeah <laughs> pan america of cars pan america of cars i reserve judgment until it comes out i am i think you have to be dubious you have to be dubious about harley davidson anything harley davidson makes that isn't a cruiser like you have to just kind of be something like all right well you did this one thing over here for you know fucking 100 years and you did it pretty good and now you're going to do something kind of different. Best of luck. I'm excited to see one. I hope it works out for one. you. Oh, I do. I really do hope it works out for them. Yeah. I'm a little... Um, tell me what you've been up to on a motorcycle, sir. Uh, you know, we were promised uh, lots of snow this last week. And um, I looked at one point, and it was four days of snow on the weather forecast. It was from Monday like through solid Thursday. Days. Actually, it was Tuesday through Friday. It was supposed yeah. to be, like, right now, it was supposed to be like a foot of snow outside. Right. And there is about none. None. I, I saw snow fall from the sky for right. seconds. Um, so I, I am, as we kind of teased earlier, going to be leaving and being on a sailboat for the next two plus weeks. So I got on a motorcycle today and rode around just to be like, I'm going to miss you. Don't worry, this will not affect our release schedule for Doc because no, by the time this is released, the last one's going to get released. Yeah, the, uh, hopefully I can get the last one out today. Mm. Let's say this week. Ooh. Let's give me till the end of the week. All right, all right. So this one another week later. Yeah, we'll be we'll yeah. be just fine. People won't even know. They won't even notice. I'm going to land and come straight to your house so, and record. Totally I may not even release this one <laughs> in another week. I'll, I might wait two weeks just just for the fans, just sh- for some I, stability. I should be back. In time for the one show, which is like the seven, eighth, ninth. Okay, so I'll I should be back before then because I think we're supposed to hit Florida by like the first or the second, and I'm just gonna fly home after that. Oh, it'll be a good trip. Should be good. Should I'll be, be stoked for you. I'm gonna be on a big old catamaran. You'll be doing 100 percent more sailing than I have this uh, year. I'm I'm just trying to be on the same page as you so that you say sailing things. I'll be like, oh yeah, I did that thing. Yeah, yeah, Spinnaker. Yeah. Spinnaker. Yeah, totally. I, I have no never met her, but like, yeah. I've heard good things. Spinnaker. Damn near killed the girl. I don't know. Damn near uh, killed yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, starboard. I don't know what that means. Was there a star on that side? Was there a board? I don't know. I'll you'll figure f- it out. I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, sailing's not that hard. I used to teach sailing. Like intelligent, rational adults, I can teach sailing to in an afternoon. It really isn't that hard. The, the biggest thing is just understanding where the wind is coming from. Right. Like if you can just kind of feel where the wind is coming from. Don't you wet your finger in your mouth and stick your hand up in the air and feel the wind? Only if you're an idiot. Well, that's what I do then. That's only only if you're an idiot. That's <laughs> not how you do it. Um, that's that's like 90% of sailing. And then from that, you figure out what rope you pull. Nice. And, that, and that's it. That's sailing. I just taught you how to sail. Boom. Done. So the people that end up in a classroom for sailing, especially adults, like children, like you got to have kids like in a structured environment. Otherwise, they just don't learn otherwise. Yeah, there's got to be whipping and paddling happening. Yeah, it, we're like glorified daycare with the kids. <laughs> but the adult, I used to do an evening adult class and we would have, I'd have like 15 students at a time. And I swear to God, 14 out of 15, you just look at them just like, 
You are not smart enough to do this. You're probably going to be one of those people that's on the news later. Well, because all these people are probably people who have friends with boats, and that's kind of like why they want to get into this. Right. They've been out in the water with some friend who tried to teach them how to sail and still didn't get it. So then they showed up at my class. And you're just sitting there like, well, if you didn't get it with your friend, you're probably just not going to get it. Like, it's just it's just not going to happen for you. Maybe they were looking for some tough love from you. A little, little like, if I get this answer wrong, maybe Professor G- uh, uh, Beeler is going to spank me. No. In that, front of everyone, and I'll be embarrassed. No, that's not going to be. The best way to teach someone is just drop them in the middle of a lake and be like, all right, get yourself back to land. Great, that's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to get thrown in the middle of the yeah. fucking Atlantic. Figure it out. Best of luck, fucker. <laughs> it'll be careful, f- when the, careful with a $600,000 boat. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. Catamarans can't flip over. Catamaran. I'm just going to say can. It's just really hard. What? It's really hard to flip a catamaran. You got to yeah. really be trying. This thing's 25 feet wide. How long is it? 44 40? feet. Yeah, okay. Huge. That's not bad. I'm just going to, I just want to stand in front of it and scream, I'm the king of the world. It's got probably like the net trampoline does, thing. Yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah it'd, be, it'd be adorbs. I expect some good Instagram photos. I, I expect some good Instagram photos as well. <laughs> uh, but you've been you've been riding the bikes though. You rode today. I, yeah, I've been riding my motorcycle. I need to wash that thing. I'm one, I'm wondering at what point does dirt penetrate plastic and it stops being black plastic, it just becomes brown plastic. My bike's getting a dirt tan. I should wash it before I leave. But it's so cold. It's so cold. It's just, I, I looked at it this morning. I'm like, I should clean you, but my hands also will hurt. So I don't want to do I, that. Yeah, I got a bunch of that red grime from going up to the mountains to ski. And I was like, oh, I got to really wash my car. And I was like, I'm like, it's so cold. Yeah, fuck that. And then it rained for like a week straight. And I was like, well, just park it out there. That's pretty close. Let nature do the thing. That's pretty close. Yeah. I, think, I think we got it all. I mean, that's basically what a car wash is just water coming down slightly harder than the rain. With like the well, little soap is involved. And I mean, I guess scrubbing. I worry about you in the shower. I'm not sure if you're doing it right. I just, I, I <laughs> kind of move around and then I walk out. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the rain. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Did you brush your teeth? Yes. Did you use a toothbrush? What? <laughs> I don't understand the question. <laughs> uh, well, I have been, I went and did the Omra banquet. I saw you look so handsome in that photo. I wore my tux. That was the evening's big, big victory. It was still fitting in that tux. Nice. I do not know where this tux came from. I was in my closet one day and in with my suits was a tuxedo. And I was like, you're like, fuck it. Flip a coin. See if it fits. Yeah. And that's the thing. I'm like, <laughs> I had a tuxedo when I was like in high school, like a super, super cheap one. Like we had to use for a uh, high school band. Right. I'm thinking like, oh, that must be that. No way that fits because I'm like 80 pounds heavier than I was in high school. No way. There's no way that that I don't think I have it, but there's no way that was <laughs> ever going to fit me. I want to see you try and put that on. So I'm like, wow. So I try it on. I'm like, this jacket actually fits me. And these pants actually fit my waist. You could, and you could you could inhale the yeah. I'm like the the length is good. The jacket though, the sleeves were too long. Oh, and so I was like, well, that's weird. So that means it can't be my father's because I have longer arms than he did. And. I don't really have any friends that are like six two and like similar build as me. Right. And why would their tuxedos be in my closet? So I don't the tuxedo fairy dropped that off and I just Maybe you had broader shoulders back then. And it was designed to fit your broader shoulders. I literally just moved the cuff like half an inch and that thing fits perfect. I like a glove. So cuff. I don't under, I don't understand it. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what the deal is. So but, did, you, um, did you win any prizes at this uh 
Uh, I did. I came in second in the lightweight superbike championship. Nice. So picked up my hardware for that and uh, had a good time with the Omer folks and uh, we're gearing up for, for the next season. The, the fun part is, is the now runner up to the class winning bike uh, will be in the one show. So if you go to the one show, you will see my Kramer there. I'm excited to see that thing over there. Yeah. Um, I got I got to polish it up and put some parts back on it, but she's pretty much ready to go. Nice. And uh, that'll be February 7th, 8th, and 9th here in Portland. You should definitely uh, attend if you can. It'll oh, be yeah. at the Moda Center this year, which is a huge venue. It's going to be big. I think that's the only reason Tor let my bike in. It's like, <laughs> we, need, we need more bikes. Your, your bike not normally would not be let in because it you know looks like garbage but you should you should have it in now <laughs> um but they're gonna do the racing at the venue that's i think that's the cool part i that's think that's really that's the killer feature because they're doing the racing in salem in previous years right. that's like a solid hour drive 45 minute drive out to the uh the fairgrounds and right. it's kind of a pain in the ass and you got to pay another ticket to get in and park and do all that jazz so it's like an added fee um, yeah, but now there's an In-N-Out close to that spot. That's true. <sighs> There'll be an In-N-Out burger in Portland eventually. Give Probably. it like two more years. I don't. I don't even think it'll be that long. There's literally one 35 miles south they, of us. They've been moving so slowly up here, though. <laughs> like I remember when the one in quality uh, Grand control, Pass Jensen. Went in. Quality control. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't understand. Like, how hard is it? I know they don't freeze their meat. Put the and meat that's like the big in thing. The bun and give it to me, please. But I still sit there and just like. How hard is this? We put a man on the moon. Did we, though? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I know. I know. As I'm getting older, I'm going to start questioning everything. Is We're, the Earth round? Did we put a man on the moon? Uh, yes to both. <laughs> <laughs> and and if you ever said that to, um, who was it, Neil Armstrong, he would he would deck you. He would probably punch me right in the No, dick. some fucking flat earther. Was it Neil Armstrong? I think it was. Or Buzz Aldrin. I think it was Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. It was one of the two. And some flat earther like got up all on his face about it, and dude, man, just fucking punched him. What a great answer to stupid right? questions. There are no stupid questions, but you might get punched in the face. And when you're a national hero, like 100%, no jury is going to assault, give you like an assault charge. No police officer be like, oh, yeah, no, did some asshole come up and say something super stupid and dickish to you? you and you didn't deck him. You should have decked him. You should have. Oh, you did deck, deck you for him. not oh, decking okay, him. that's good then. Yeah, we're going to punch you in the face so you learn how to punch someone in the face next time they do this to you. Right, right. This is, this is for your own good. It's going to hurt you more than me, but it's for your own good. Uh, <sighs> violence is never the answer, kids. Yes. But sometimes. Sometimes it is. A motherfucker needs to get punched in the face. <laughs> For stupid questions. <laughs> I got no problems punching a flat earther in the face. That's that's fine. For flat earthers. Um what's the other what's my other plug? Uh Portland Motorcycle Film Festival will probably already have happened before the show probably. comes that's, out. That's uh the end of this month. Yes, January twenty fourth, twenty fifth. So um if you don't have your tickets yet, you're kind of screwed because it sells out. Yeah. But put that on your calendar for next year for Unless sure. Unless you know someone who's got an extra ticket that they're sitting on for some reason. And you can beg and plead with them to take you. I had three extra tickets and I already sold. I sold them like in a day. Yeah, you got rid of those in like a heartbeat. No problem. So so clearly uh, a fun event that everybody wants to go to. Yeah, watch them. And you're going to judge it. Yes. Like I said, I think I said this in the last show. Like that's that's my job. That's my dream job. Just judging things. Offering no solutions. Just judgments. Jensen, you already do that for a living. That's what I do. That's my, that's my whole shtick. That's your calling. I have no, I have nothing constructive to say. <laughs> I just want to tear it all apart. Yeah, it's either good or it sucks. 
That's not true. I got some constructive criticisms. That's, you know. You just but, have to pay me for exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Those don't come for free. That's called a consultant at that point. <laughs> consultant. That's right. One of the most like loosely defined jobs in the history of man. All you do is write your name and then put consultant at the end of it and people will pay you for your fucking opinion because otherwise you're giving it for free. Fair. It's easy. Fair. It's like if you want to be a doctor, just put DR in the <laughs> beginning of your name. Boom. Don't Boom. Go to Dr. School? Jensen Beeler, consultant. What are you a doctor of? English literature. <laughs> yeah, what that you know, by the way, I have a really hard time understanding the whole doctorate of like anything other than being a doctor. So say what you will about lawyers. We earn a doctorate degree when we go to law school. It's right. a juris, J, JD is the the abbreviation stands for juris doctor. Right. We are the only people that get doctorate degrees that that aren't medical degrees. And don't go around being like, mm, actually, it's doctor, Doctor Jensen Beeler, Doctor Jensen Beeler Esquire. But when I I'd work with a lot of professors when I was in college, and you get that like, actually, it's Doctor Silverstone. Oh, really? I didn't realize you squeezed in uh, eight years of medical school on that English lit degree. <laughs> you got your PhD in um, in uh, underwater basket weaving, huh? Yeah, I'm not going to call you a doctor, Doctor like, Basket Weaver, unless you can perform like open heart surgery. I'm just not going to call you a doctor. Like, I understand. Like, you got a PhD. Good on you. You had to write a thesis. You had to defend it. You had to do the whole thing. Not easy. Kind of expensive. Good for you. Not a doctor. Not a doctor. Sorry. Not a doctor. But not camera. If I know any lawyers and they start calling themselves doctor something something Esquire, I'll be so happy. Well, that's what the like, Esquire is I would is hire for. that person. That's what the Esquire is for. I know, but I need redundancy. And like I think Dr. law Esquire? of all things needs, needs a redundancy. What if that's the license plate? D-R-E-S-K. Ooh. All right, next time one of you fuckers buys a Mercedes Glendewagen that you're never going to take off-road, D-R-E-S-Q. They still make those? Oh, hell yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It's for the, it's for the hardcore off-roader that will hardly ever go off-roading. <clears throat> I don't want to scratch this $130,000 paint. All right, fair enough. I don't have one. Uh, I apparently just hit a button and erased all my notes. That's okay. We can figure it out. Control-Z. No, uh, yeah, Control Z opens up like a new window. It's a stupid oh, it's browser thing. Um, newsy news, newsy news, newsy news. I wish we had like we need to get a uh, <gasps> soundboard. Dun, 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 dun. Newsy, so news. Like, dun, 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 dun. newsy news. When news breaks, we fix it. Yeah, something like that. That's an old saying from a show on eBay. Something. Yeah. Soup. Talk soup. Talk. I don't know. No, it was a. It was a. It was like before the whole like ha ha, ha comedy version of news was popular. With John Stewart, I think it was before John Stewart. Oh, Craig Kilborn, maybe. Yeah, that, I remember watching the Daily Show with him on it. It was a different show. It was. It was a different show. I miss John Stewart. Uh, anyways, newsy news. Newsy news. American Ricky Brabeck is on the verge of Ooh. winning the Duck Car Rally. Shaheen, he. I, I was actually. I just wrote the story today, but I'm I was, nodding vehemently. I, but I, yeah, you are. This is what we need to do a video <laughs> video podcast. Uh, I meant to write it yesterday. Uh, at stage 10 so hopefully hopefully when this podcast comes out he's already won and everyone's high-fiving over it but um today he lost like half of his lead oh but it was also like a 260 mile timed stage so super 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 long um are you taking a photo again what are you doing what no i'm, I'm looking i'm looking at the, the oh thing. you're doing the thing oh, okay yeah, i'm following along with you with my ears well, but i'm I looking at things with my eyes i don't trust you if you're a secret Instagram story video 
sharing I, I should have been a paparazzi. I'm pretty good at the whole. Just like, super hidden. sneaky. Next night, like, I look around, like, Shane's, like, live streaming me. I'm like, I need a shower. <laughs> What's going on, man? I didn't do my hair. I work from home. You can't do this shit. That's my wrong side. You got to do the other side. <laughs> you need to do the side with the beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to ask you about the half beard thing. That's freaking me out a little. <laughs> It's a condition, uh, <laughs> motherfucker. Don't make fun of it. <laughs> Listen, all right? I made some bad choices as a kid. <laughs> or good choices. I mean, you know. I'm like the Andre, Andre Iannone of beards. <laughs> so what you're telling me is you're doing some steroids. Been doing some roids. Right. Making some bad life decisions. <laughs> but you look really good. But really, really good. good. Anyways, we should not take away from Ricky Brabeck. Ricky Brabeck. This is a huge deal. It's huge. This is a huge freaking deal when was the last time an american was uh, at never. the top in dakar uh in the bike category never so Amazing. uh right there that's a huge thing yep it will end an 18 year streak of ktm winning the dakar rally well, we just talked about this too because ktm kind of owns that thing. they kind of own that thing um honda and honda hasn't won since the 1980s dang I think 89 was the last year they won. They won five times in the 80s. And that's the only time they've ever won. So on a on a number of levels, this is a huge freaking deal. Not to mention just, you know, it's the first year in Saudi Arabia. Um, the Honda team has gotten better and better each year. We've seen that slowly progress. And, and um, they've just kind of need to have like a consistency with, with their riders. And they found that in Ricky Brabeck. Um, so I'm, I'm super stoked. I hope. He's got 160 miles to do tomorrow, but he has a just about a 14 minute lead, which is pretty sizable. I mean, it, it would take some sort of it would take a crash or a mechanical probably to to really bounce him out of. Here's out hoping of the lead. either happens. You know, crash or a mechanical. I want good things. Positive thoughts. Positive thoughts. Yeah. Well, the positive prayers. One of the positive thoughts too is he would start so. The person in second is Pablo Quintanilla. I'm trying to think my Spanish if I'm, if I'm doing that. Quintanilla. Yeah, Quintanilla. Yeah. Double L is a yeah, Y, Quintanilla. right? Or double L is silent. From, unless from like Uruguay or Paraguay. It's Quintanilla. Quintanilla. Yeah, I'm really bad with I'm really bad with these. I like it. It's Americanized. Uh, Quintanilla. So he won the last stage. So he'll start first. Oh. And Ricky came in second, I believe. Second? fifth so either way he'll get to start behind him mm-hmm. which is a huge advantage because you can follow their tracks and if you can catch him on the course then he knows he's like you know 14 minutes ahead of him time wise so um i think he's in a pretty good pretty good shape going into the uh the final stage of the dakar and you know wish him all the best because he's, he's like america's son right now representing representing in saudi arabia in saudi arabia which is super weird there's a lot. Uh, see, the world's not a big place. We can have cool races in, in Saudi Arabia. We just need them to, you know, maybe be nicer to other people and not, you know, do some things. Do some things. There's stuff. some talk that this. So this year's in Saudi Arabia. There's some talk that because they have a five year contract, I believe. Hmm. There's talk that the next editions will be uh, in more countries in the Middle East. Uh, maybe like Jordan or maybe Iran. Iran, dude, that'd be so cool. If Iran's still there, please be still be there. I don't. I don't want World War Three. It's been it's been kind of crazy times for for that it's area. Crazy. I got family over there, so I'm a little bit yeah yeah, yeah it's scary. Um, I, we should definitely give a mention to kind of a, a sad note because um, 
this year's Dakar did claim the life of Paulo uh, Gonzalez, and uh, he was riding for the Hero Factory team, but he's been on the the factory honda team before right um you know one of the the veterans of the of the race and one of the favorites and definitely one of the well-liked and and well-known uh riders in the dakar rally and you know kind of kind of a real sad kind of uh turn of affairs and they can't actually canceled monday's racing uh to kind of let everyone grieve and yeah and do their thing it's always a big big deal gut punch when you lose something you know someone especially someone as well liked as paulo was yeah it's um, and that's the hard part with the dakar i'd have to go back and look at the the fatalities but it is one of those races that claims people's lives yeah. um dehydration especially when it was in uh, uh south america dehydration and elevation was a huge south thing elevation was insane over there too so it was really easy for people to reach that level of exertion and then just kind of drop off the bike you know yeah. and just kind of literally drop dead um so it's you know that's that's one of the things that it's kind of like the tt in a way what makes it so great and so alluring is how difficult it is is this uh, you know the tt racing on city streets right the dakar is probably the most grueling motorcycle race in the world you know it's it just is it's it's 12 it's almost two weeks of racing right um in these crazy conditions and you know they have a couple they call the marathon stage where you can't have any assistance from your mechanics so Jeez. you have to like be able to do that and you know like it's just it's it's just unlike anything else out there you know rally rate badass i mean you have to concentrate on being a good racer but also ride smart so you're not breaking the thing and if you do you have to be the one that's fixing it yeah talk about being self-sufficient at that level doing that kind of rate you know racing yeah on a completely you know uncontrolled environment so to speak right it's not a racetrack it's not this perfectly groomed place that you're riding in shit changes probably day by day um so my hat's off to anyone that does that sort of racing i think that's the that's the real shit right there yeah yeah, I'm not saying that MotoGP style racing is not hardcore. It really is. They're going at such insane speeds. But, you know, when you're doing any sort of rally racing, there's just less control there. Or when you're doing tourist trophy type racing, it's just not uh, the same sort of control. And you're dealing with so many external uh, forces there. So I think those people are incredible. Especially when you're going flat out. Yeah. And those guys, in the t- especially in the time stations, time stages, they are going flat out yeah. and that's and that's kind of what caught Paulo. Like, you're doing 80 miles an hour down a dune you know sand's just at that speed sand's just like concrete and you know you're gonna hit something and yeah it's 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 bad news bears um and i can only imagine i think toby price was the first rider to to come up on him i can only imagine what that was like and stayed with him until the helicopter came um that's the one thing I really like about the Dakar. There's good camaraderie yeah. amongst the riders because I think they do. There is a sense of like, Hey, we're, we are each other's lifeline. If you, it's not uncommon to hear like a rider, like, Oh, like their bike broke down. So their competitor, the guy they're trying to beat stopped and got a tow line out and towed him to the next checkpoint right. because you know, sportsmanship. That's badass. Yeah. That's, that's just so cool. Yeah. I mean, we even see that at the lowest level of like racing at like, 
like club racing, like Omra. You guys are always oh. looking out for each other, and that's so cool to me. Anytime I stop by and talk to someone, and so and so's engine blew, or so and so's brake lines got fucked up, somebody from the other tent is walking over with extra parts like hey bro this will help you come out and race me yeah no 100 i would not have gotten second in my class if the guy uh i was who i beat the third place finisher hadn't right. helped me if the guy who beat me who got first place hadn't helped me if friends like uh hannah johnson and alex taylor yeah um didn't help me and help me put my bike back together from all like the stupid mechanical little things like i would not 100 would have missed more races and probably not finished in the points yeah. and you know it, it it takes a it takes a village takes a motorcycling village uh that's one of the yeah that's, i would say that's one of the things i love about about club racing because it's it's competitive enough that it gets the competitive juices going and you know that they're like oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna fucking win this race and i'm gonna i'm gonna rip his fucking head off <laughs> and then at the end of it you're like oh cool i'm racing with my friends this is <laughs> like it's we're just racing for plastic trophies. Right. That's so, everyone's like, drinking at the end of it together. And yeah, I, I'm more concerned. Like, I want to make sure that you get on the grid so I can race against you yeah. because that's really fun versus the like, hey, no, uh, if if you race against me and beat me, that's like a million dollars down the drain. So I can't like I'd rather just you didn't show up. I love watching the racers talk and sort of compare notes of like how they did certain things and where they were applying the power and where they were applying the brakes and what such and such and such turn felt like to them. And if someone wasn't doing as well, the one that did better was like sort of giving them hints of, Hey, this is how you could do better. And maybe even beat me on this next lap. It's never like, it's rare. It's super rare to see somebody be like, no, go fuck yourself. This is my race. I want no, I have no interest in helping you at all. Cause like, what's the fun in that? Then you're just racing yourself. Well, sometimes it's fun to kind of fuck with people too. They're like, oh yeah, no, I'm breaking at like the five board. I'm like, oh, the five board. No, no, no. I break at the one board. Yeah. You should definitely break deeper. <laughs> See you in the grass. fucker. <laughs> I thought you said the one board. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, that didn't work out for you. That's weird. That's, that should. You might need to change your brake oh, compound. Oh, you went turn turn one. Oh, yeah. No, oh. I was thinking turn, turn seven. two. Seven and one look a lot Yeah, like. I was confused. Yeah, no, definitely don't break at the one board there. No, no, three. Three. <laughs> maybe two. I don't know. No, it's good. It's good camaraderie. Um, but definitely sad to hear about uh, Paolo Gon- Gonsalves because um, that's one of the names like that I've always been following in, in the Dakar. You know, every year, like, it's like, okay, what team is he on? Where right. is he? Where's he in the standings? Because he's right there. He's a, he's a stage winner. Right. Um, he's always in the contention. He's one of those, like, if you had to pick five people who could win the Dakar that year, he's he's got to be in that list. Yeah, he's consistent. Um, so it's 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 a bit of a tragedy. Um, so, yeah, thinking of him and, and hoping for the best for for Ricky uh, Brabeck uh, tomorrow. And actually, truthfully, like, we're recording this at 2 o'clock right now. What time is it in Saudi Arabia? It's one o'clock in the morning. It's tomorrow over there already. Yeah, it's already there tomorrow over there. It's almost twelve hour difference. So they'll be racing. He'll be waking up in like two, three hours to yep. get ready to go to go win this thing. So that'll be great to see. Uh, and Dakar.com, uh, the official website, has a great live timing feature now. They've really stepped up Sweet. the ability to follow things in 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 time and they have a it's not like a Twitter feed, but like they do have kind of like a live timing uh, news feed. They'll mm-hmm. be like, you know, um, Toby Price just went past checkpoint five, three minutes ahead of <laughs> da 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 da. And like, oh, wow, okay. So I can actually kind of follow it, uh, you know, at least from checkpoint to checkpoint. 
their uh-huh. Instagram page is doing a pretty good like uh, stage by stage thing too. The photos they do, the, I really yeah. like that they do uh, daily video yeah. recaps. Oh yeah, because especially here in the U.S., I don't know if any U.S. TV carriers are doing it. Maybe Red Bull TV is, but they would really be like KTM heavy. Yeah, Red Bull is KTM. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's. I think they've realized that this race. Like they have to promote it. They have to show it. They have to be the media company behind it. Right. And that's helped fuel the enthusiasm for it. For, um, for those of you who always have a phone in your hand, just Instagram at Dakar rally. Yeah. I'll give you a pretty good, pretty good insight on the stuff. And like Jensen said, the, the, photos the photographs are, are oh, they're unbelievable. I mean, that's the people who do the photos are, are top notch. I would Look love cool is that right there. I know. Right. Jeez. I would love to go cover the Dakar in person. But um, uh, one it's it's a little outside of our our focus, and we're probably going to get a little bit more away from racing. Like I was I was looking at the numbers, like racing is like literally a third of my budget mm. and six percent of my traffic, and kind of sitting going like, well, that doesn't sound right. The business person to me is like, that just isn't right, and like the Dakar was always a tough one for us. Do you us. have partnership with anybody who already covers it and they can kind of feed you news? Nah. 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 I mean, it's just, that's the thing. It's just, it's just, nah. but I would love to go actually follow the race, see it, shoot it, be in the paddock. I mean, imagine that like it would be a nightmare. I talked to, um, I talked to one of the people uh, actually just at the end of last year about that. And they're like, oh yeah, it's only, 3,500 euros to, to have like our paddock pack like to get because they'll cover like the transportation between the stages and right. like your internet and all that stuff. I'm like $3,500 to cover it. Like that doesn't include my airfare to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And I was just like. Let's call it five grand. Yeah. Call five grand. I'm like just no way. No. I don't make $5,000 on my Dakar coverage even if I was blowing it out of the water. Unless Red Bull wants to sponsor you. Unless Mountain Dew wants to sponsor it. Ooh. We need Mountain to get that Step Mountain Dew sponsorship. I will paint my Kramer frame oh. green again if Mountain Dew is my title sponsor. Mountain Dew, are you listening? Is anybody listening to us work for or know anyone that works at Mountain Dew? PepsiCo. I need a PepsiCo, PepsiCo marketing action. person. We'll, we'll have like a little subsidiary of asphalt and rubber. It'll be dirt and knobbies. Dirt and knobs. Ooh, that sounds kind of dirt dirty. Dirt knobs? Dirt and knobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving along, there is a story I want to talk to you about that I feel like is going to take up our entire show. Oh boy. You know what it is. Tell me. Ducati, super legera V4. So if you're doing the Ducati drinking game, start, stop driving right now. Stop driving. Get away from any heavy machinery. Top your glass. You're going to be done. You're going to be very, 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 very drunk in a minute. So this started out with a story that. Ducati was working on a project 1708. Uh-huh. I got the email. Did you? Ducati. Oh, yeah, because they emailed everyone that's a member. Uh, I got an email. You didn't get an email? No. What? You better up your damn membership. I'm on, I, I, got, I got Claudio's personal email. You don't, you don't have uh, my Ducati membership? Oh. No, I didn't get an email. Hmm. Anyways, um, project 1708, and if you know how Ducati does these naming things the 1708 means that this project was started in 2017 mm-hmm. uh, the eighth month of 2017 so what is that august august, august 2017 august um 
So they've been working on this for a little while. And then we found out details that this would be a, uh, basically a super Legera motorcycle. And then we saw the specs leak release, uh, get leaked. And then we saw a photo get leaked, but you don't think the photo's real. I don't think the photo's real. I've been I, like, I've literally blown it up on my computer and there's some shady lines on it. I just think it's a low quality photo. It's obviously off Instagram. Oh yeah, totally. So I just think you're seeing, I think you're seeing weird things. I think you're seeing. I'm, I'm very confident in this photo's authenticity. <laughs> I like your confidence. We'll go with that. Because it's it's confidence is sexy, Jensen. And I am sexy. Duh. Especially in a tux. Hey, we never talked about it. What's your uh, what's your weight number right now? Mm, I think I gained some weight. Damn it. Yeah. Well, here's one of the things I discovered. My scale. First of all, my scale is weird. It only does 0.2 increments. Yeah. And there are da- I, and I think there's an algorithm in there that's like a like a smoothing algorithm <laughs> because like I'll I'll be like in like jeans I'll, I'll be like shirtless but in jeans and maybe have shoes on and let's say it it shows two twenty five okay I can take those jeans off and those shoes and it'll still say two twenty five and you're like no that was definitely like a pounder but maybe but you maybe, were probably two twenty five point eight versus two twenty five point two. But that's the thing. It doesn't show 225.2. It's like it'd just be like 225.0. And then like you'll take some stuff off, uh, like some clothing off, and it'll be back on there, get back on there, and it's still (laughs) 225.0. And you're like, um, no, I definitely took like at least half a pound off of me. Your scale wants you to concentrate on the big picture. Right. So it does that. But then sometimes if you move it in the right spot, it just like it'll just drop two pounds or it'll gain two pounds. And you sit there and you're like, so like one measurement, I was two twenty again, like let's say two twenty five, and then the next one I'm like two twenty three or I'm two twenty seven. After like the scale gets moved a little bit, you need a control there. You need to make sure the scale never moves from one spot ever. Well, that's what I mean. Like it really doesn't. That's why it's really like kind of confusing sometimes. So I've seen two eighteen on it, and I was definitely like I was like post workout, probably super dehydrated, right. hadn't eaten anything, like feeling felt felt good, felt skinny. Good. Um, and now I'm like at 222. Huh. So I'm just kind of like, I'm in that like margin of error of it. Okay. So, but I definitely have been, um, not at the gym and not eating great for the last week or two. So That's I got to okay. get back on it. Um, pretty sure I'm still beating Chris Ulrich. That's what I was going to say. So, we haven't got an update from him. No, I haven't seen, I haven't seen any update. No I updates. Think, I think means, Chris is holding this cards close to himself just until the very end. We'll be like, ha, ah, fucker. I, get, I lost 40 pounds. Maybe, maybe. Or he's just sitting at home, like eating Fritos, being a fatty. It could go either way. I want to do that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, they well, just signed uh, Tony Elias, I believe, to the team. Whoa, for the Moto Amer- his Moto right. America team. All right, all right. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Get Tony. Tony's all right at riding motorcycles. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We should take an advertising break, and we come back. Uh, there's some more stories we should talk about. I'm gonna go have some whiskey. This episode of the Brab Talk Motorcycle Podcast is brought to you by AGV Helmets and the new AGV K6. Finally, there's a comfortable, versatile, and safe road helmet for any motorbike and any rider thanks to the same advanced materials and innovative technologies used to help world champions achieve the maximum at the racetrack and in the most extreme conditions. Everything you need is now combined with everything you've ever wanted, the AGV K6 helmet. And we are back. Uh, Shaheen. All right. So the Ducati. 
Meanwhile, the lightweight Ducati. <laughs> my, meanwhile, super light Ducati. This thing's ridiculous. Three. I'm. I'm. What's interesting to me, I'm pretty sure they're using the R spec, the the Desmo Sedice Stradale R motor. So it's the 998cc, not okay. the 1103cc. Yeah, from the side view, it kind of looks like that with the uh, dry clutch and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, well, we can't see the clutch from that side, but um, that's the generator side, sir. Oh, it is? What photo? Okay, what photo are you looking at? The one because of the girl we, sitting on it. I see a dry clutch. No, that's the generator side. That's the left-hand side of the bike. So you're right. Okay, right. <laughs> Maybe I was just looking at the girl. You were just looking at the girl. That looks like a dry clutch to me. Look at that. It's a high heel. She got she got nice legs and nice shoes. I, I don't blame you. Um, she looks like she dropped something. She's looking down like, Nee, look down there. So, uh, and you look at the power numbers and the, so the, the league specs that came out, if you look at that, if that's yep. true, if you look at those power numbers and those rev ranges and stuff, that looks like almost a bone stock Panigale V4R motor. Right. There is some mention of a lightened camshaft and the engine weighing like six pounds less. Probably revs a little quicker. Well, that's the thing. The revs are pretty much the same. Well, it's making, they're saying it's making 234 horsepower with the Akrapovich exhaust, which is exactly how much the Panigale V4R makes with right. the Akrapovich exhaust. Um, and I'm pretty sure those are Italian horsepowers, not American horsepowers. Just right. a little disclaimer. But nonetheless, quite a lot. These aren't Clydesdales. These are. Right, skinny little Italians, right, running. Um, but the real kicker is the dry weight, which I believe was 152 That's kilos. Insane. That is 20 kilos lighter than a Panigale V4R. Just for just for reference's sake, I weigh 110 kilos. 111, actually. I'm a fat fuck. It's a lot of kilos. That's a lot of kilos. This bike doesn't weigh a whole lot many more kilos than I do. Three my my math is telling me three hundred and eighty two at the curb. Dang. Which is not too shabby. That's nuts. I'll be really curious to see if they carbon fiber the frame or not. Or if it's just bodywork, wheels, and swing arm. Like like they, like they do with the twelve ninety nine. Yeah, you know yeah, how yeah. the the front frame was uh carbon. Carbon fiber. Yeah. The monocoque frame. I hmm. I'd be cool if they did that on this. I mean BMW did it with the HP four that did so well. <laughs> they sold so many of them. They did. They actually sold all of them, in theory. <laughs> and I was like, two people bought all of them, and then are selling them to other people for <laughs> way less money. Sales um, a sale, man. Sales a sale. Um, so the bike weighs nothing. It makes all the power. Uh, I'm thinking it'll probably not have the electronically adjustable no. Olins on it, no. as per other Superleggeras. No, because actually the, the first gen Superleggera did have electronically adjustable. The second one didn't. Right. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Earth is flat. Whatever. I don't care. Um, but yeah, they don't like the uh, electron because it is heavier. And for a uh, race bike, right? They want the manual controls, anyways. Because it's like it's like five six pounds for the electronic suspension. <laughs> I'm waiting for Ducati to do something like. Also, in order to help help it with its crazy uh, performance, we only put nitrogen in the tires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like okay. This is Italian nitrogen. You get several <laughs> bottles when you buy the bike. I mean, I get like, you know, marketing. So, are we thinking pricing is going to hit six figures? So, the rumor is $100,000 US. Cuz the last Superleggera was like 825. Yeah, the last it was yeah, 80ish. Yeah. Um I mean, it kind of makes sense. You know, if you're only 20 G's away, 
It's like a 25% price increase. Right. And the V4, what was the base model? Uh, $12.99. The base model? It's like 18 ish. Yeah, like 17 9 something. So if we just kind of like extrapolated math from that to the V4. And the base V4 is 21.5 or something? Pretty now? close. That's, I mean, it would make sense. The yeah. Panigale V4 is about 20%, 25% more than the Panigale 12.99. So yeah, I mean, it could be that. But like for me, $100,000 for a motorcycle. That's a lot. That's $100,000 is a lot of money, period. But for a motorcycle, that's like, and they're probably going to make 500 of these. The the only thing that makes me feel like that's worth it, in my mind, is the MotoGP aerodynamics, where yeah. they said like, okay, how much how much crazy can we put on there? Put all the wings. Put so all many the wings. wings on there. All the wings. It should even have like a camera mount in the back with its own little MotoGP style camera for all those track days where you want to show your friends how well you move off your bike in a turn. How well those wings worked. Look at those wings holding me down. 160 what was it no it was 110 pounds at 167 miles an hour that's a lot that's a lot of downforce that's more than the v4r by quite a margin uh like 66 percent or something like that. quite a margin yeah yeah this bike can go upside down folks if the track was to turn upside down no that's the shit that kids used to stay back in the day about lamborghinis because it was true yeah but this they're they're short about 200 pounds of downforce more wings on the bike and then, and then it would only be the front wheel that'd still be on the, the rear wheel would would still the fall over. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> um, but that's an impressive motorcycle. Say what you will. That's a, what I don't understand is all like I don't know where all these haters came from on asphalt. Remember they're like I'm dumb, don't like this. And like, are you not impressed by? A 380-pound motorcycle that makes 234 horsepower on pump gas, I might add. Yeah, what the fuck? With the warranty. With a warranty. Like, you're, you're buying a Lamborghini, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, no one gets shitty when Ferrari comes out with a LaFerrari or the FXX or any of these super-exclusive right? yeah, million-dollar <laughs> cars. And you're like, why are you upset? Like, you're not going to buy one. Here, I, I will say this. The one piece that I wish they would do differently, and I've only seen pictures of it, but the, the current... Uh, carbon fiber wheels that you get for Ducati are those, I think they're BST. made by BSTs. Kind of a five-spoke with a split Double in the five middle. Spoke, yeah. So 10-spoke, I guess. Um, I would love to see that that forged aluminum set of wheels on that bike. I think... Oh, the, the Rotobox? Rotobox? Dude, like, if you're going to make this bike a $100,000 bike, don't make it where it have the same wheels that the last Superleggera had on it. Make it, like, super-duper... Because when you buy a Lamborghini right now, like, all their top-end, top-spec stuff, they have the forged carbon on them and who owns ducati technically lamborghini does right so you guys got the shit yeah make it look extra cool yeah um i agree with you shaheen because that's the thing that kind of kills me with this the the thing that was so the the 11.99 super comes out and it's just bonkers right right? because no one's done anything like that with a motorcycle before and then the 12.99 one comes out and the only thing that kept me kind of like interested was like oh you made the frame out of carbon right that's interesting Mm -hmm. okay now you've taken you've taken it one step further i get where you're going and the hard part with the super v4 is it's just like those bikes but just with the v4 you know there's nothing new there's nothing first like it's just now we're just like taking the same formula and applying it over again and maybe and maybe 
I don't know. We'll find out. This one doesn't have the carbon frame. And the next iteration that they come out with will. Right. Or probably, actually, truthfully, probably the next Superleggera V4 will probably have the 1100cc displacement, but with all the cool shit, like technology from the. Yeah, because it's not a race homologation. Like, it doesn't need to have the race homologation motor on there. The yeah. R has that. But you could see that, like, oh, it has 280 horsepower right. V4. And you're like, oh, that's fucking ridiculous. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but that would get me way more excited than, than this. Because, like, Especially with the engines being basically the same. It's like, uh, I mean, I don't have $100,000 to spend on motorcycles, so I guess it's kind of moot what my opinion is. You you were you were asking about, you know, you were wondering where all these haters came from. I, I kind of chuckle at it myself, but I kind of get it. I think what's happened is, you know, back in the day, Ducati, when they made an R-Spec bike or a Super Legera type bike, it was super duper special. And it only came out once in a while, and it was like this huge deal, right? But now it's like, it seems like there's some kind of a special model coming out every six months. Every two years, yeah. Yeah, there's a Corsa edition. There's a 916 anniversary edition. There's a R-Spec. There's a, right? So it's like, they've sort of watered it down a little bit by introducing so many different neat special models. I think that's fair. Um, I, think, I think you're absolutely right that they've watered it down a little bit. That doesn't make it any less of a cool, badass motorcycle. It's just, again, we're a fickle bunch. Like we were talking about Travis Pastrana doing, you know, any sort of tricks and doing stuff like that. If, if you see it in person, you're like, whoa, that's pretty cool. But when you see it in the news over and over and over and over again, you're like, all right, it's watered down. I don't care. Move on next. Um, but that being said, I'm excited to see this bike. I want to see what those wings look like in person. Yes. Um, I'm sure it'll look really badass. Yeah, I think I think that's part of it, too, is like we're working with leaked right you know specs a leaked image that you don't even believe is real and we haven't really seen it in the flesh and seeing a bike in person changes that experience so much i didn't like the ducati street fighter the 1098 when it came out it doesn't i saw one in person i bought it yeah you know that's just that's the difference of a nice photograph and and um seeing it in person we don't even have a nice photograph right now i'm gonna say the same the same thing i said about when i heard the v4 coming out i wish they wouldn't just make it look like let's call it a progression of the last design. Like on a bike like this with a six figure potential six figure price tag on there, fucking make it look like a spaceship, man. Like make it look like a, a, a MotoGP bike. Yeah. Right. I think that's, that's the difference. And, and it, in a way, Ducati's figured out what MV Gus has known all along is that these limited edition, special edition, numbered edition, right. tribute, whatever bikes they sell, they just sell. You mm-hmm. have, you only need to find so let's, let's back it up a little bit. Ducati just came up with their uh, their sales figures for for 2019. bikes sold, or fifty just a little over fifty thousand bikes sold. Flat. Sales are flat basically. Right. Sales are down about two percent in the U.S. Um, but okay, there's fifty thousand. Fifty thousand people bought a, a Ducati last year. Right. You only need to find one percent of them to sell all of these out. Yeah. Like you're going to tell me like there isn't 1%, there isn't 500 people in well, that 50,000. Super Legera type bikes always sell out. Of course there is. And yeah. it's the same with MV. And that's why MV always comes out with these special bikes because it only takes a couple hundred people to be like super fanatical, super into your brand, super rich collector or whatever that is right. to sell those out. And that's not a high bar. And it's the same thing here with Ducati. So it's like, I kind of get it. But this is where I think the conservatism of Ducati like kind of kills it for guys like me. I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not an actual buyer. Um, not going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a motorcycle. 
was was giving Claudio peace of my mind for having to spend twenty thousand dollars on a Street Fighter V4. <laughs> so you can obviously see where I'm at on the the man curve here. But there's a part of me that would just look just say like just built something crazy. And that's what I love about Kawasaki. Right. Where it's like, oh yeah, you want us to build a supercharged 300 horsepower motorcycle? Done. Cool. Done. Hold my beer. <laughs> oh, you want us to buy like this little boutique Italian brand and then make some crazy little thing with them? Yep. Done. Great. Fine. You, oh, we'll just keep making crazy. Oh, you want a, a four cylinder 250? Done. Let's do it. Bring it I'm on. Got a red line at like a zillion RPM. Crazy idea is that, you know, you're kind of taking a risk. You know, that any one of those bikes could have been huge flops and you could probably argue that the H2 kind of was a flop. I mean, they're not selling a boatload of those no. things. Um, they're lucky they can spread that technology across multiple bikes and multiple lines, so it kind of makes more sense for them. Right. Um, but it's it's a true halo bike where it's like, yeah, we're not really building this bike for sales. We're building this bike for marketing value. Yeah, making something special to dream about, right? I want to see Ducati. Yeah, I would say like, come out with just, – just let Gigi loose – for like a week yeah. and let him just draw can make a Lamborghini and, edition one just to make it insane. Well, just anything like just be like, okay, what, what would a MotoGP bike look like without any rule constraints, without a spec ECA, without aerodynamic constraints, without whatever. Right. And, and then build that or, or the world Superbike version of it. And then what would that look like? What would you, if you took all the handcuffs off all the restrictions, what would that be? That would be incredible. That would be a bike that nobody would be like, man, this is just the same old bike with a bigger yeah. price tag on it. And that was kind of what it was like when the Desmo Cedici RR came right. out to an extent, but that still had to kind of look like That's the still race everyone's bike. beloved Ducati. That's still the one that everybody dreams about because yeah. it was unobtainable. But that's how we got uh, the MH900E. Uh, right. That's how we got the Super Mono, where it was just like, let's just pick this fucking crazy thing. <laughs> and those are some of the most revered bikes in Ducati history. Yeah. Don't worry about functionality. Just make it fucking crazy. So I would like to see them shake the formula up. I, I know they're going to sell out, sell out of all these bikes. Right. I know it's going to be rad when it comes out. I'll be very, very lucky if I ever get to ride one. Um, but did you ever get to ride a Superleggera when it came out? Like, was there ever like a press intro on those things? There was, but it was um, a really. It was like one publication from each of the major markets. Oh, wow. so. Um, yeah, I think Cycle World got to go to that one. Um, and those were, let's just say those were friendly pieces. <laughs> not but, not, but not, you're, not that you're really going to write anything bad about like an eleven ninety nine Super right. Legera, but you know, you just kind of sit there like, I remember reading those things. I was just like, like, this isn't a review. This is like a marketing piece. That's, I mean, that's all, really all those bikes need. They don't need to review them. Who's going to buy one? There's 500 people well, in the world. They're already sold out yeah. at the time. So, all right, all right, all right. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't think I've ridden a Superleggera ever. I'm trying to think if I've ridden. I've ridden one, but it's on the streets. It doesn't really. That's like like what's the point? You're only gonna go 30 miles an hour. It's cool. It's badass. You feel amazing when you sit on it. It's definitely very special. But like just riding around the streets doesn't make you go, "Ooh, I get this bike." I've gotten to ride all the R bikes since um, Super Quadra Motor and on. Nice. Those are impressive machines. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be very curious. So, so they're arriving in May. Man. Uh, production starts in April. Right. So this is coming out pretty damn soon. So that bike is probably going to be released about the same time as the Street Fighter. Yeah, probably. That's usually Ducati usually sends shit out to the dealerships by like April, May. April, May. Yeah. Yeah. So 
that'll be interesting to see. I, I think Ducati that they they did a pretty good job keeping that secret. There've been rumors of a Superleggera since right. last summer. Uh, there were some people saying we would see one at Eichmann this year. Um, it still feels a little early to me, but I think that might be a little bit of them being like, oh, we're going to surprise you. <laughs> I know we've got World Ducati Week this year. Yeah. And a May arrival should mean all the bikes should be like at customers before World Ducati Week, which yeah, may what, have August? been part of. No, it's uh, June or July. Oh. It's like right in the heart of summer. Um, like, in fact, I can look at the computer. I can. Fun to date. World Ducati Week. Last time it was in the middle of July. It's the same this year. Okay. 17th through 19th of July in Misano. And if you haven't been to that, even if you're not a Ducati person, you should still go because it's pretty rad. But um, I might get to go to that this year. I don't know. There was some talk. But I've been in the past and it was a pretty cool event. It was impressive to see that they put 90,000 people at the Misano circuit with not a lot of stuff actually happening on the racetrack and, and understand that MotoGP fills that stadium with MotoGP racing and right. only gets about 80, 85,000 people. people. Yeah. So that's an impressive ability to pack the, the stands for not necessarily a racing focused event. So I think, I think motorcycle racing um, event people, event planners could really benefit from going and seeing how they're doing that. Ducati really Ducati sort of does pretty well with understanding the you know selling the culture. It's sort of like what Harley does essentially. Selling the culture and like I think they make it pretty easy for fans to get kind of up and close with right. the riders and the company. That's one of the things they do um is they do uh uh like you can you can buy like a barbecue. I don't I don't know if they actually call it a barbecue, but and it's all the Ducati management that's serving you the food. Yeah. So like you know, Domenicali is like plopping like mac and cheese on your plate for you. You <laughs> know, and you're, every year at the and you're like, hey, Claudio, uh, no, hey, a little bit more mac and cheese. Come on, hey, Claudio, I'm bigger than you. I need more food than that. Yeah, Come look on, at me. Come on. Thing. <laughs> I gotta fill out that speedo. Um, so that's a cool thing. That's a cool thing to go see and go do. Um, but I'm very curious to see. Well, time's gonna tell in this photo. We're gonna see who. I will bet you a Mountain Dew. I am wondering if there's going to be one at Coda before it gets released, because that'll be April, late April. I think it's because there's always a cool possible. bike there. It, truthfully, it's going to depend on where they decide to officially announce it. Yeah. Um. Because in America, Coda is really the only main thing where you know Ducati Island happens, and there's thousands of Ducatis. You could there. see it being a Ducati. Island. The hard part with that is this is this is the crown jewel, right? And we know from the sales figures that America is the second largest market, at least the largest. Mm -hmm. So I would believe an Italian launch. I mean, they always at, at uh, the Coda gathering. There's always something that happening. You know, right before Dominicali and uh, and uh, Chinook, you know, start serving food to people. There's always something that happens where the racers are up on the stage and they, you know, do a little shout out and show something cool. So that, man, that would be a really cool stage to do that on. Yeah. I'm just saying that because I know I'm going to be there and I want to see it firsthand. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like they could have one there if it gets released beforehand. I don't right. think they would release it. I could have, but then again, they're kind of doing this MotoGP aerodynamics. It's supposed to have a MotoGP livery. Right. It would make sense to unveil it at a MotoGP event then. I don't know, man. It's tough. Um, I, I really thought 
if I hadn't seen the delivery dates and the leaked information, I would have thought an unveiling at World Ducati Week. That makes sense in my mind. Yeah. But I mean, that's the biggest collection of Ducati riders in one place. Right. And that's and they've done some some launches at World Ducati Week before. They launched a Scrambler right. at Ducati Week. They did the um, X Diavel. Was it the X Diavel? I think they did the X Diavel there one year. And I think they did. I know they did the Supersport got launched at World Ducati Week because I got to see it. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say like those are big pillar bikes, but they definitely have done bikes at World Ducati Week for, for a launching point. So it could be interesting, hmm. but, uh, time will tell. Time will tell indeed. I'll be very curious to see what this bike is though. It's going to be, gonna be badass either way. Yeah. It's going to be pretty rad. It's just going to be pretty rad. Are you not entertained? Are you? I wonder if they're going to do something like you have to have owned a previous generation Superleggera in order to be like first in line to get, grab one of these things. Yeah, they do have a pecking order. Yeah. They're trying to get more Ferrari like that. Ferrari definitely has pecking oh, hardcore, orders. Yeah. So I think they're trying to take a page out of that book. So I know for the twelve ninety nine Superleggera, first dibs went to eleven ninety nine Superleggera owners. Then second dibs was like Desmo Sedici and our owners. Yeah. And then it just kind of went, and then, I mean, that sold like four out of the 500, 400 out of the 500 bikes. And then the rest kind of was like dealers, right? High, you know, high roller clients at dealers. We never, I mean, we, we didn't just get them in to have them in. They had to be pre-sold. Yeah. Same, same's the case with the current, uh, 916 edition bike. Dealers didn't just get them. You had to pre-sell them to get them because there's such a finite number of them out there. Yeah, that makes sense. There's two of them sitting in the dealer right here. And I just walked past it yesterday like, God dang it, that's pretty. Yeah. It's just pretty. What's funny though, so this, you know, on one hand, it's like, that's the prettiest thing I've ever seen. On the other hand, I looked at the wheels. I'm like, those are the wheels off of the first gen Superleggera. Like, come on, guys, give me something new. That's a, I have a hard time with the foggy yeah. 916, whatever you want to call it. I forget it's what the a parts full, bin the bike. It's night. a cool parts bin bike, but it's a parts bin bike. That I just like the paint. I'm just not into it. Like, I, I, I'm not a, a foggy fan. Just, just not my rider. And th that era superbike doesn't resonate with me, right? Um, so, like for me, it's just the whole thing's kind of lost, and it's not—I don't find it a very visually attractive livery. Like where you see like the Troy Bayless design or the Nikki Hayden design, yeah. like some of these designs, you're like, oh, that's just like if you weren't even into those riders, and you're just like, oh, that's a really cool looking bike, it's flashy. Yeah, I get into that. Uh, the Corsa design, yeah, Corsa um, design's beautiful. The Tricolore designs are always good. So that one, I'm just like, eh, just doesn't do anything for me visually. I don't have an emotional connection to the 916 or the Foggy. Right. Uh, I think they're aiming Carl at Foggy. the right buyership with that specific design, though, because that person is going to be probably like in their late 40s, early 50s. And like that yeah. particular era was yeah. really special. To them. That's a sweet spot for, right. the, for, the, for the buyer that can actually buy that bike. That's the sweet spot yeah. era. And if you're a Carl Fargety fan, like, bah, come right. on. <laughs> Dunzo. You got a picture of you at the track flipping the camera off. I'm seeing right. it. Everybody's right. got that. <laughs> I've got one. Um I have I have gone to a couple dinners with him. He's a riot. He's a good time. Yeah. Good old <laughs> English clarity. He's he's um he has none of that British polish whatsoever. He's he's the other kind of Brit. He's like the the snatch Brit. You know, it's just Brit. like yeah. <laughs> you like dags? All right, I like dags. <laughs> I think he's from a different part of the country, but uh, he's... Uh, We're going to get some hate mail for that one. You guys got it all wrong. Uh, he's from Cromwell. <laughs> Where's Carl Farley from? I should at least get that right. Lincolnshire or something. Blackburn. Oh, yeah. Blackburn. I have no idea where that is. Me either. 
not so good with my British boroughs. Oh, Lancashire. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense. Total sense. <laughs> total sense. Um, let's get through some things real quick and then we're done. Uh, Honda Fireblade pricing for Europe is finally out. 20- Fire, uh, listen, if you're going to talk about that bike, name it properly. You know better than this. I'm sorry. You're right. Honda CBR 1000 double R dash R Fireblade SP. <clears throat> right. The third. The third. Esquire. Esquire. Doctor. Doctor. Oh, my God. Oh, we had the perfect opportunity. Oh, we blew it. Uh, the SP will be 27,000 euros okay. in uh, Europe. And the base model will be 23,000 euros. And if I can humble brag just a minute, this is exactly what I predicted it. the price would yeah, be. You called it which makes me very worried because then that means my pricing guess for the USA very likely might be correct and very likely might be $26,000. That that would be interesting to me if it ends up being yes less US dollars than than the euros because it's usually if you do um currency conversion if you just looked at it straight currency right. conversion it should be a $30,000 bike yep. in the US. Some of that though is 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 a misnomer because our prices in the US don't include tax. Right. It's like, oh, it's twenty seven, it's gonna be twenty six thousand dollars plus your tax. Which, plus freight setup tax yeah, and all that other dealer, bullshit. Blah 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 fee. Whereas in Europe, that price includes VAT, which is like twenty percent or some nonsense. So oh, if okay. you start doing the math a little bit, it gets a little bit closer. Um, but truthfully, I think they just subsidized the price here. Uh, it's it's not euros to dollars. It's yen to dollars. That yeah, really matters, which doesn't really change the price of bread too much. I've done the currency. But it, for whatever reason, um, whoever's doing the, the pricing and the supply chain at, at Honda uh, and a lot of brands, um, it's cheaper. So if you look at like I looked at the Honda Africa Twin and I looked at the um, where was it? Oh, the CB1000R. It's two bikes that are pretty new. They've been updated recently. Both bikes were driven by Honda Motor Europe, mm-hmm. as was the CBR. So kind of helps to have that. These are models built for the European market and then being sold in the US. So I felt they were very analogous in as many ways as possible as you can be. And when you look at it, they have like a 600 to $800 uh, let's say currency unit delta. Okay. So if it's 14,000 euros, it's like $13,200. Okay. Um, so that's kind of like where you sit there and you're like 27,000 euros. It could be 26. It could be 26 too. It could be 20. I, I think they'll do 25, nine, nine, nine just because that's a nice round number. Yeah. Um, and because they cost the, the CBR costs infinitely more, they can probably give it a little bit more on the margin, give up a little bit more. Um, so yeah, that makes it a pretty, pretty viable bike for what it is. I think, I think that's a class killer. I think, you know, assuming it lives up to the hype and does all the things on the racetrack that it's supposed to do and the electronics are well sorted out, uh, which I don't think is necessarily the case in the previous generation (laughs) model. Uh, I think you make a pretty good proposition because 26,000, if I can just look at my, computer here 
Okay. That's still cheaper than the Panigale V4S by twenty four hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, still the most expensive the other, uh, Japanese inline four, though. Yeah, yeah, but blows all the other Japanese inline fours out of the water. Way ahead of them. So it's going to be an interesting bike. I'm I'm pretty excited about. Really, it. really want to go ride that bike. Yeah, and we're only still going to get the SP model in the US, right? Only the SP. Okay. Um, for now. I don't. I wonder how long they can do that game. I mean, the current CBR one thousand double R is going to have to get replaced at some point. At some point, right? I like. I think it's smart. I think Honda is really smart on this one, where it's you're hitting that price point because there's going to be two kind of buyers. Price point, like, hey, I'm going to go do track days, or I'm going to ride on the street. Right. Maybe I'm a price point buyer, and that Honda CBR one thousand double R, it does all those things really well. Like, if you're not racing. I had more fun on that Honda than I did on some of the other Japanese bikes that were more powerful than it. So if I was just out there for a track day, I'm going to pick the bike that the handles better. That's more fun to ride that, that I think it looks really good. It looks great. Especially looks really with good. that um, kind of Red Bull livery on it. They've done a really good job of making an inline four bike look so narrow yeah. and tight. And it is, it's super narrow and it's super light and right. it's, it's, it's rad. It's just needs like 20 more horsepower. Cause it sucks when you get, passed by like a 600 on the front straight <laughs> well the sp should solve that problem right and that's the thing when they're like oh you're a racer person you absolutely need to have uh-huh. 200 plus horsepower you're like you know just spec sheet price you know <laughs> spec sheet buying basically hold my sake and watch this yeah here it is it, it, it hits every metric out of the park done you're gonna pay a premium for it but done yeah all right still cheaper than a ducati yep still on paper should outperform the ducati I'm curious to see that. I think it will. I, I I don't doubt that he will. Even if it's equal to the Ducati, it's still 2400 bucks less. Someone somewhere will be like, man, it's still a Honda. Who gives a shit, dude? You're out there riding, and if you're able to have a bike that performs that well, and it's, it's put together Honda? by Honda. It's still Honda. You see, like, it's been like, no, it's still Honda. Yeah, it's still a Honda. Yeah. It's I mean, a Honda gonna, It's going to work all the time. You can always be able to fire that thing up. That's why it's <laughs> called the Fireblade. You can always fire it up. I don't think that's why it's called the Fireblade, but I just made that up. Fireblade. I think we've talked about this before. Is there a cooler name for a motorcycle? Fireblade. Hayabusa. No one knows what that is, though. What? Everybody knows what Hayabusa is. No, but no one knows like what Hayabusa Everybody, means. Hayabusa is it's like the, it's like the ninja bird. of motorcycles. Everybody it's in the southeast knows bird. it. <laughs> oh, a little birdie flew in. My little Hayabusa a flew little, in. Little birdie told me. A little birdie. It's a little cute little bird. It's the fastest goddamn bird. But you're right. Fireblade. Fireblade's awesome. Fireblade. It's a, literally a blade. We have a katana. Well, my blade's on fire. Sheen. <laughs> it's made out of fire. Fireblade. It's pretty badass. That's pretty badass. Pretty badass. They tried with katana, but then it was a katana. Yeah. I yeah. mean, katana's a cool name. Don't Super get me wrong. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. Fireblade, way cool. Fireblade. Lightning dagger. I don't know. They need to come up with something. Oh, hey. My whole window just crashed. That's cool. I think I hit the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> Should just start pressing buttons. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I hit the. I thought I clicked the closed window and I hit the quit. Uh, so yeah, super stoked for the Fireblade. We'll probably flip my shit if I don't get to go ride it this year. Uh, I don't want to see him. Well, I kind of want to see him flip his shit, but please. I'm gonna put him. It this way: I'm not giving that Goldwing back until I go to a Fireblade <laughs> launch. <laughs> what Goldwing? What Goldwing? Do we still have a Goldwing? <laughs> We're still gonna beat the Yamaha <laughs> P700. Don't worry, guys. We got this. We totally could have recorded this week. 
We totally could. We totally, the snow would have been not an issue. Snow. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, no, definitely not going out this week with the snow. Are you kidding me? Four <laughs> snow, days yeah, of snow? 2020, never happened. Just crickets. That would be like three weeks of road Look, disaster. The sun's out right now. It's, I can, it looks it's like gorgeous right now. What's the temperature? 42 degrees when I was riding here. Oh, my goodness. What does it say? Oh, yeah, I got 42. <laughs> 42. Light rain in the evening. Meh. And it's going to start warming up. It's going to be in the 50s this weekend. It's going to be the 80s where I'm going. Ah, shut up. <laughs> trying to be sweating so hard. My body's not used to it. Jerk face. Um, blah, blah, blah. Where are we at? We should probably wrap things up. I just, did, what, what did we talk about last show with Andre and Ian and I? Where did we leave off in that saga? We, we, we laughed a bunch and then we're like, had his B sample been tested yet? No. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think we were just making fun of him for being an idiot. So the, the funny thing is, <laughs> A little more information to come out. So just just like a quick recap. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Let's Bonehead McGee. We'll give him 30 seconds. Go. I'm not even going to refer to him by name. His new name is Bonehead McGee. <laughs> Wait, what's his name? Bonehead McGee. Because <laughs> this is just... it. The more this gets down the rabbit hole, the more Bonehead McGee it becomes. Because they're, they're, the, the argument was that the steroids found in him were trace amounts. And his lawyer and his team is basically saying, that's not from him doping. Although you would expect to see trace amounts at the end of a doping cycle. Right. But instead, that's from tainted beef that he had in Malaysia. Huh. And if you look, farmers totally give cattle steroids to help bulk them up so they have more muscle so you get bigger steaks. More beef. The problem with that is they don't generally use this particular steroid. Oh. And this particular steroid wouldn't really benefit a farmer and trying to bulk up their cow. What it does is it really is a lot better at making lean muscle and getting rid of water in muscle. So it's really good at leaning you out basically and helping you lose weight. And obviously all steroids are basically used for recovery time, right? It's not really, it's not the steroid that helps you bulk up. The steroid helps you recover from your workout. So you can work out harder. So you can work out harder or you can work out like four times a day. Right. And that is what bulks you up. It's an expensive steroid. It's hard to find. It it it's not something that like a farmer, especially a farmer in Malaysia, is gonna be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna use that like dollar steroid to help bulk <laughs> up my cow. It's like, no, I'm gonna use that like hundred dollar steroid to bulk right. up my cow. And you're like, no, you would use something else. You'd use something cheaper. And then you go and you look at it like before a motor GP rider leaning you out. That would help you as a motor GP rider. The oh, the the recovery aspect that would help you as a motor GP rider. And then just like from a bonehead McGee perspective, with his, his little vanity project, he's like, yeah, no, he just wants to look super cut. He just wants to look super lean and super he's cut. to get ready for when he goes to France and he's in those topless beaches. Yeah, and, and it makes total little- sense. If he started his, yeah. his steroid cycle right during the flyaways and then, uh, you know, was coming down the end of it, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that makes total sense. The kicker for him, and whether you, you, you want to be team bonehead McGee or team Andre Iannone on this, um, because his B sample tested positive, Ugh. the burden of proof is now on him during these appeals. He needs to show how this was tainted B for that this was something other than doping. And that's really hard to do. Like, even if you're on your game, even if it really is the case, that's really hard to do. And the burden's on you to do it. And, you know, unless, like, like, they were saying um, examples of things he could have done would be to document where he ate every time he ate 
and what he had there and a picture of it and you know all these different things to like kind of document like where oh, this God. could have happened we all know which everyone he surely does isn't doing right. but like would be impossible for most people to do like if you would have to take the the dope inside of it so serious and truthfully part of this and and there's been some instances of uh food poisoning especially at the flyaway races right. and part of this is the reason now why the teams are taking their hospitality so serious is so that they can control the diet. They can make sure, like, hey, no one's gonna, no one on our team is gonna get food poisoning. Right. No one on our team has to worry about contaminated food. No one on our team has to worry about special diet considerations or constraints. Like, think about Casey Stoner, yep. uh, or just a general nutrition. Like, hey, I need to have 2,300 calories a day. Okay, boom. Here's your here's your plate. The chef made you exactly twenty three hundred calories of food. You finish your plate. You got your food. Um, so it doesn't look good for him. Oh boy. It really doesn't look good. And uh the big thing will be this appeals process is going to take a couple months, so that's going to kind of probably exclude him from any sort of testing duties. So Aprilia is going to probably have to find a test rider. Uh it sounds like it's down to three names. Bradley Smith, who's probably the most likely, Carol Abraham, hmm. and Max Biaggi. Wow. And if I had to guess how it's going to play out, Shaheen, I'd say Bradley Smith will get bumped up to the to the factory team and race. Mm-hmm. Carol Abraham will be a test rider and Max Biaggi is not a consideration at all. I'm sure at some point if someone gets hurt. Maybe. 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 But um so therein lies the saga of Bonehead McGee. This the true story of Bonehead McGee. The true story of Bone. One of someone hey, it's I just sad. looked it up. Bonehead directly translated to Italian is Testa di Osso. Okay. Literally Bonehead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if there's a colloquialism for that. I looked and I didn't confirm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I just realized I changed my voice when I said testadioso. 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 Because when you're Italian, your voice goes up. It goes up into your nose. Hey, when the spaghetti comes out. Hey, bonehead. That's more like Jersey. It is. I mean, I'm married <laughs> to one, so that's my, that's my direct go-to. Uh, Italian accent. <laughs> is T Man from from the New Jersey? I thought oh, she yeah. Flor- T Man's from like Northern Jersey, man. Okay, okay. I thought I didn't know if she was Florida born and raised. You know how you know someone's from New Jersey? They'll tell you, and they usually have a tattoo of the state somewhere in their body. And my wife will do both. Has the tattoo, and will tell you she's from Jersey. And it's funny because there's always so much pride about being from Jersey, but it's like we don't live there. You haven't lived there in years, and it's not just then my why'd wife. you move. It's most everyone I know from New Jersey. They're like, "Fuck Jersey, I don't even want to live there." Where are you from? Fucking New Jersey, yo, You're represent Jersey Shore. <laughs> like what? Get out of here, Snooky. <laughs> I've been to Jersey. There's nothing to brag about. It's the Garden State. It's full gardens. <laughs> they have good tomatoes in the summer. I hear. I mean, New Jersey Motorsports Park, pretty good track. Yeah. Um, I actually still haven't been to New Jersey. That's one of the states that I just kind of skipped. One of my worst crashes was that NJMP though. Ooh. So, so you got a little bad taste in your mouth. I no, I did not have a good time there. I did not have a good time at all. Uh, it was it was it was a track day in October. Wow, in Jersey. Yeah, it was like all the right. last it's one of the it. year. That's really pushing it. And we definitely, I definitely think there was black ice on the track. <laughs> I just, I literally crashed straight dark, up and dark, down. Dark, dark, dark gray ice. Just the darkest gray. The ice darkest gray ice you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, literally crashed straight up and down doing like 30 miles an hour, barely on the brakes. Had to been. That's like a literally external forces. And it was like, there was snow in the infield. (laughs) 
I don't know about track days in October in, in the Northeast like that. It's just, we don't do that here. And it's like, yeah, why bother? I look back on that now. Like, it's still one of those crashes. They say, like, the the crashes that, that fuck with a rider's head the most are the ones they can't explain. Like, there's some like, oh, yeah, I just wanted that current a little hot. Right. Too much front brake, too much throttle. Things happened. That's one of those crashes. Like, well, yeah, I can see why people say that. Because that crash, like I said, I'm like, I literally don't know why I crashed. A lot of head scratching still happening. It was the out lap. I was like the second rider out and just like I literally was just straight up and down. I don't even know if I was on the brakes. I don't even think I was on the brakes. Like that's the thing. Like I wasn't like I was really trying to stop the bike. I just I, I literally I'm just shaking my head because I still don't understand it. What were you riding? R1. Ooh. Therein lies the saga of Jensen and New Jersey and Yamaha. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> You are a product of your past, Jensen. No, I was actually kind of proud of that day because, like, I was super poopy after I crashed. Because, again, like, totally fucked up my head. Yeah, it sucks. And I kind of, like, pooped in the car for a little bit. And That's I was like, gross. you know what? I drove all the way down here. I should at least get a couple more sessions. I should try and figure out, like, what I need to get this bike fixed and get back out there. And I got, like, a session and a half on it. Nice. And um, I didn't really enjoy the track. But I think part of this is because I crashed on it. But yeah, it's hard that? to reset as soon as after it happens. Like I'm, I'm always so in awe of racers who are able to get right up after a low side and just get on the bike and fucking start riding hard again. Yeah, that's a that's a very, I think that's a learned ability to be able to just shut that off and not say, oh god, I'm I'm back on that turn again. Oh god, it's going to happen again. And truthfully, that's one of the things I've been thinking about for this coming season with Omra because, like, I'm out to win my classes, um, and to do that, you can't miss a race. So like, if I crash. Saturday morning, I got to make sure that I'm able to race Saturday afternoon. Right. Um, you know, usually I have like an, about an hour or two in between races. So that means like having a box of spares, parts, you know, things that are going to be needed if I, that are most likely to, to break when I crash. Right. But there's also like the mental side of it. Like, okay, yeah, you go and crash in turn three where everyone crashes at PIR because it's, it's the first left-hand turn and it's off camber. Right. And it's just a little funky there. And it is funny when you get behind a lot of riders. Like, I love passing in turn three because I've never crashed there. Most I have people tippy toe around. I have no there. And a lot of people tippy toe yeah. through it. So, you know, like, you can tell, like, hey, that's still kind of, like, in their head. And, like, I'm using that to the advantage. I'm using my naivete uh, to my advantage. <laughs> Ignorance uh, is bliss. Yeah. And so I'm kind of wondering, like, okay, like, eventually I will crash there. It's just the law of probabilities. <laughs> and I wonder, like the mental side of it of being over overcome that issue in that turn. And I think if it's a crash that you can understand why you crash, that helps. Right. But I do wonder about like that crash where like it caught me off guard and like, am I going to be able to still race 10 tenths, you know, in that afternoon yeah. or that next race that's yeah. coming up and how am I going to mentally prepare myself? I think part of it um, for me will be anger and and the like fuck 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 i gotta oh yeah that, i gotta win this class i gotta get back out there i'm like <laughs> i'm more motivated to beat your ass now than i was before but that's that's part of it you know and it's the mental side of this sport is huge absolutely you know because no one especially at the club level no one is racing their bike to the limit of that bike no so you're not winning anything other than a little you know a little uh little plastic trophy plastic trophy so yeah you know, you want to have bragging rights, but what is it worth? I mean, we kind of have a thing where um, we go and get ice cream if we get on the podium. Yeah. That's uh, Hannah and Alex do, and I do that. I like that. So there's a little, a little extra incentive there, but ice cream only goes so far, Shane. I know. <laughs> if you want, I'll show up with ice cream next time you're racing. <laughs> Fuck it. 
You don't have to win, man. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Like that's everyone's a winner. That skill deficit's definitely all in your head. Yeah. And and closing that gap is huge. I, I mean, I believe that even on the street, on you know, people always ask me, "What's your favorite set of tires? The one that you feel mentally most comfortable with?" Absolutely. At this point, most tire companies are making pretty fucking good product. Pretty good. Yeah. There's some tires that are definitely, I think, better than others. But oh, like you're in a nexus of pretty good. But for most average riders, most average street riders, they're they're not going to be able to tell that difference so much. But no, most and, people will be like, oh, I crashed in the Dunlop one, so fuck Dunlop. All right, well, so in your head, you're not comfortable with that brand. So buy the other brands. There's other options out there. I love Jason Pridmore's whole, uh, I've never seen a tire crash itself. Yeah, that's fair. Um, which I would say largely is true. I've seen some tires delaminate. I've seen some tires throw yeah. a throw a you know the carcass kind of comes apart or the compound <laughs> falls apart like it definitely isn't like well it's kind of yeah, crashing it's itself a- in a little bit of a way but uh, yeah the, the point largely true i think i think jason's talking about like the top notch race tires out there yeah it's like you know oh my tire didn't have enough grip no you didn't manage the situation in the grip right. effectively right um but I, I i do agree and i think too for most street riders especially for for street riders and even most track riders the um the tire still kind of outperforms the skill level yeah you know I, I think like i think like the typical b group crash that i see is is the rider going in pretty hot getting spooked and standing the bike up and then going into the grass and then grabbing a front brake like and that's that, the crash oh yeah that's it's it happens so often and if it's on the track it's usually like oh you're running cold tires you were running uh, a slick without tire warmers and it was the first session of the day and you went into turn three the first left-hand turn <laughs> like full tilt right like well yeah that's that's gonna crash you like, hardly ever see a high side wreck on group b sessions because it's usually a panic front brake action where the front end just comes off yeah and it's, you just end up low siding the thing never because they put too much power coming out of a turn because most of them don't it's funny you say that because i think about just about every crash i've ever had and they're all rear wheel tire crashes like it's me getting on the gas yeah you're you're getting on the gas and it's losing traction and gaining traction punting you off the bike yeah i'm trying to think if i've ever had a front end low side i mean i've never had a high side i've gotten lucky well i was thinking when i crashed that uh alta uh christian's alta that was kind of a high side. Did it fling you over the bike? I truthfully don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> then but, yes. <laughs> but just knowing the the physics of how I... Because what happened is I got kind of turned in the air. Right. And so I landed backwards standing up. Oh, oh. So I went feet, butt, back, head. Jeez. And just went thwap and then rung my bell. Yeah. Um, actually, I rung the Icon helmet that I was in. And, uh, but just the physics, like just think of like where the bike was pointing, where it was, I must've gone, it must've flung me like a high side. It wasn't like a full high side, but it definitely flung me like a high side. A hurt is a hurt. A hurt's a hurt. A hurt's a hurt. Of course. Of course. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever had like a front end tuck. That's the thing. That's part of why I'm racing is to learn how to push the front tire more. Cause that's, it's something that I definitely have a, a margin of safety with. You plan on doing any dirt biking this off season? Nope. That seems to be unless, a popular unless, thing. Unless uh, a dirt bike ends up in my garage from a press loan. Isn't there a dirt bike in your garage? No. The I have a supermoto. 
Yeah, but I've seen you put dirt bike tires on it. It's got. It's just such a compromise. Yeah, uh, it doesn't have nearly as much suspension travel. The suspension's way too stiff. The brake is huge. <laughs> it like it was a good idea. It just it's just such a compromise, and I can't get out of the saddle of that bike very well. Oh, so it makes dirt off road riding really not fun for me. No, it's too much work. It's just too much. Like I said, it's just too much of a compromise. Like I need a proper dirt bike setup, which I would love to do. It's just apparently racing's expensive. It is expensive. Uh, there's a Kramer for sale for ten thousand five right now. By the way, Whoa. 2015 model. Whoa! So if you want to have that Kramer fun without that Kramer price, call uh, us. Call Kramer. Johnson. Kramer Motorcycles USA is selling it. Oh, it's directly from them. Yeah. Is it a S or an R? It's a good question. It has the dual brake setup. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a... Um, which would mean it's an R, but you could yeah. put dual brakes on that bike. Dude, if you can get an R for that price, just go buy it. It'd be good. Someone's going to be very happy with that. It's the older gen uh, KTM motor. Okay. Uh, uh, my, my racing colleague Paxton Gray corrected me and said it was the fifth generation lcr4 motor it, <laughs> it's the it's a 2015 motor so 2016 is when they put the dual uh balancing shafts on that motor and that's the motor you want right so this will be about five horsepower less than a normal kramer i bet it's still be a lot of fun for the money still be pretty good it'd be a great track bike yeah be a great track bike so uh what else you got anything else i think that's it sir i'm gonna go pack my shit and go sailing yeah have fun sailing i'm very jealous enjoy the warm weather i will Enjoy your catamaran life. Ooh. Take lots of photos. Wish me luck with my sea legs. Yeah, try not to, to throw up on the boat. I'll just make sure I throw up on the lee side. No That's, wind at you. That's just a side with less wind on it. Leeward. You don't want to throw up or piss in the leeward. wind. Leeward. Leeward. That's the word. Yeah. I'm learning. See? Yeah. I know the one of it. Yeah. I'm glad that was empty. What was that? That was a glass of water. That was uh, empty. Too many Christmas. We can't take you anywhere. I can't. I'll just put that right there. All right. Well, let's get out of this. <laughs> and, All right. Well, uh, We'll you know see you in like a week or two. Make good choices. And remember, safety third. Good talk. See you out there. Bye. This episode of the Brap Talk Motorcycle Podcast is brought to you by AGV Helmets and the new AGV K6. What you need and what you want in a motorcycle helmet. I'm ready when you are. I'm ready when you are. I'm ready when you are. I was ready before you were. I was ready yesterday. I rode my motorcycle today. I meant it more. That's true. That's fair. Goddamn cold weather. You don't scare me. Oh, yeah. I got to put air in my tires. Do you have a pump downstairs that works? I got a compressor, yeah. Sweet. Even better. Nice. I checked my tire pressure. I was like, 20 pounds. Fuck it. Whatever. That's fine. That's fine. Especially with oh, that those things? thick ass carcass. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> Do you you can't feel to, it when you ride it. That's do you thing. need to put air in those tires? <laughs> I feel like those are non-pneumatic. You don't need a moose for these tires. Just put them on. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, a moose? No meese needed. Looking for a moose and gray squirrel. Hey, uh, I need a moose. I need a big burly moose. <laughs> One with some horns on it. That's what she said. Hey.